It's the Face of Chicago Business Podcast, introducing you to the stories behind the faces, focused on fixing today's problems with thoughtful leadership and purposeful living. Sit down with us as we get to know the individuals who make our city second to none. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Face of Chicago Business Podcast. Today, I'm joined by retirement and tax planning specialist, John Choi. John, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Tony. No, it's great. Always uh, a pleasure to interview someone who's uh, you know hometown person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and you grew up, uh, you were telling me, 8,000 West Addison, right? Yeah, just south of Addison. Um, that's uh, 8,000 West is about right. It's, uh, <laughs> about a mile west of the uh, Harlem Irving Plaza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so right so, there on the Norwich border, right? Yeah, Norwich, uh, Elmwood Park. Elmwood, yeah. So yep. was, we were way out in the corner over there. <laughs> <laughs> so what was that like growing up? Oh boy, it was, um, I grew up in the eighties, so, you know, lots of fun. Um, I wouldn't trade my childhood for anything. Uh, a diverse group of people, uh, certainly out there. And, um, yeah, it's just a lot of laughs, riding your bicycles, carefree world (laughs) at the time, you know, um, baseball, uh, you know, everyone was out. There was no internet, obviously. <laughs> so, you know, baseball and, and football and sports was, was, was the thing to do, obviously. For sure. For yeah. sure. Now you say, uh, diverse, right? And is it culturally diverse? Is that what you're saying? Or just in diverse in general? Um, culturally diverse as well, because, you know, I went to a school an, an elementary school, uh, up until fifth grade, uh, that was, um, and, an integrated school, I think that that's what they would call them. So they would uh, bus the kids uh, in from the west side of Chicago. Okay. Um, and they would uh, come in, and we would have class with them. And so, where I lived, uh, there were no um, uh, people of color. Oh wow. Um, and but my classroom, about one third uh, were black. Okay. I made some great friends. Um, actually, my my parents had. A, a couple of businesses out on the west side of Chicago, oh, nice. uh, off of Chicago Avenue, okay, um, between Laramie and Chica- um, Laramie and Central. Okay, and uh, so sometimes I would actually, and I can't believe they let me do this. <laughs> I, I would just go on the school bus uh-huh. um, after school. And I'd be the only non-black kid there, right? Okay. And I guess that didn't matter to the bus driver, right? Not like, hey, uh, I think you're on the wrong, <laughs> wrong bus or whatever. He's like, come on in. Sure, sure. So they, they'd bus me out to the west side of Chicago. Uh, we, I'd get off the bus. Um, and it wasn't like today where they drop you off in front of the, the houses or they have like right, a right, stop right. every 200 feet or whatever. <laughs> it's like you get dropped off at this one location and everybody walks where to to your house or wherever you know and um so we get off at uh, a school i forget where it was and everyone just walked to to their homes and i just walked to my my, my parents business and and that was that yeah. right and i didn't know any better i didn't know anywhere i don't know <laughs> i i just that was that's what we did you grew up colorblind like in in the, in the true sense I, yeah, I, they, they were just they were just kids, yeah. you know. They were friends. Right? So, so what kind of businesses did your parents have? So they had a, a dry cleaners. Um, my parents ha- uh, actually both had it. So my mom had one, and my dad had one. They were about four blocks uh, apart. Oh wow! Um, and so sometimes, you know, I'd have to take supplies from from one mm-hmm. one cleaners to the other one, and and again, no cell phones, no nothing. Uh, you know, nine, ten years old. My dad would say, "Hey, go go take these uh, t- to your mom's store." 
just walking down the west side of Chicago. You know, I, again, I didn't know any better. Sure, sure, um, sure. So that's cool. Uh, now, in terms of you know, like the diversity aspect of it, I'm, I'm, I'm interested and curious. Just what was it like growing up? I mean, obviously, you know, being Asian, I was actually born in Korea, but I came here when I was four. Gotcha, so, gotcha. You know, they're like, I ah, basically the same thing as you're born here, and I'm like, yeah, until I lose my you know passport right and then <laughs> then it's like i don't have a birth certificate so yeah. now i gotta get the whole naturalization thing but anyway so any memories no none no. how how was it in the community i mean what, what was it like you always hear the accounts of you know different i mean i'm mexican both my parents came from mexico and so i know that immigration story but i'm always interested in terms of other people's experiences uh, especially during those times and in in the neighborhood you were at um it was not as politically correct back then <laughs> yeah, yeah. as as it is today. Let's let's put it that way. Um, but but it's fine. Um, I, I do. Are you saying that you had to deal with a lot, or, or you had to deal with some things that maybe people wouldn't have gotten? Let's put it this way: I, I had to deal with things that my kids will never have to deal with. Mm. Okay, um, and and that's okay because I do believe that adversity will bring out some character. Absolutely. Um, and you know, I just saw a saying that you know. We, we go through these really tough times um, and then that forms our character, but then we want to shelter our kids from, from tough times, <laughs> right, right? right? So, um, but, you know, I, I am grateful for that, uh, for those experiences. Like I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change my childhood uh, for the world um, because uh, there, were, there were good and bad and mm -hmm. what I thought was bad actually turned out real, really good. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so how do you approach that? I mean, I love that. Um, you know, value system you have, and, and and do you take that approach with your children? Like, do you try not to shield them? Do you try to put them maybe through some controlled adversity? How, how do you approach your parenting? That's a great question, and you know, I go back and forth on yeah. it, and um, I tell my kids they live in a bubble. We're in a society that does. They they do, and they, and and I, I think they know that, and, and and they say, you know, oh, we were. I guess the new word is bougie or something like that, right? <laughs> so they say, oh, yeah, it, that's very bougie or whatever. I'm like, what is that? That's like, oh, daddy. But, um, yeah, they, they do live in a bubble. Um, and, uh, you know, half of – sometimes I think, you know, do I just kind of let them live like this and have the comforts of life and then, boom, shut it off in college, right, and say – Oh my gosh, I had it really good yeah, at home. Yeah. You know, um, now I can't get Starbucks anytime I want, right? Now I can't <laughs> I have to pay for it. Yeah, now I, now I've got to budget it. Oh my gosh, right? right? <laughs> so, uh, and then the other the other side of me sometimes I think maybe I should start now. Um, so I don't know what the the the, the right answer is. Sure, sure. Uh, is it you know you you give them a taste and then you take it away and they say, oh, this stinks. I want that back, right? Yeah, yeah. Or you know, do you not give them a taste at all so sure. that they want the taste? I, I, I don't know what the answer is. How, how old are your kids? Um, so they are, they will be 13, no, they'll be 14, 15, 15 13, oh my gosh, now you're embarrassing. <laughs> 17, 15, and 13 is what they will be. Actually, my middle one is already 15. Okay. So, so teenagers. Yeah. So yeah, junior, freshman, and seventh grade. Okay. Right. So now... Being a finance, obviously you're talking about money and like budgeting and all that. Sure. So, so before we get into the professional part of it, right? Mm -hmm. how, how much of that, I guess, plays into into the parenting aspect of things, where you're like, you, you don't know how good you have it, and you are gonna have to start 
planning for these things in the future? So what I've noticed is that savers um, are born with it. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, wow. So I didn't really have to teach my kids to save, hmm. but uh, two out of my three kids are really good savers. Uh, one kid is more of a spender than a saver. And you know who you are, right? They know who they are. <laughs> trust me. Um, one kid's uh, got every nickel uh, that they've ever received. Um, he started his stock account um, uh, two years ago. Oh, okay. Um, the other one started the stock account as well. Um, and I felt sorry for the other one. So I just said, this is your birthday gift. I'm going to get you up, but yeah. Um, but I really do think it's, there's a lot of innate, um, saving ability. Mm -hmm. Um, not that it can't be taught. Sure. Um, but we have propensities. How's that? Oh, that's, that's, yeah. It's interesting to hear that because I think for so long, I mean, I struggle with that, you know, where, the nature of what I do, people say ADHD, you know, creative people, whatever that is, that I just wasn't great at that, right? But if I felt like I had to be. And so now as I got older, it's like, you know, I'm not going to try to force myself to do something that's not in me. I'm going to hire someone like John, someone like you, and, you know, it, it'll be taken care of for me. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that too. But I think for people watching, it's important to understand that and to play to your strengths and not your weaknesses, right? So um, if that is a weakness, uh, there's one very easy solve okay. for that um and it's called auto payment yeah. or auto saving and i'm being that serious oh no, yeah, yeah you're absolutely that's the you only know, way goodbye um and as good of a saver as i am you know innately mm -hmm. it, we get busy with life right yeah, yeah. um you know we have to do chores we got kids we got this we've got there's so many things pulling at our time mm -hmm. and you say oh my gosh i i forgot to send in the check to <laughs> To, to the uh, savings account or I forgot to ch uh, tr make the transfer or whatever it is, right? Yep, yep. But when I put it on auto debit, man, every week it's, it, well, they say it's like clockwork because it is it like is, clockwork. It, it is, is clockwork. You know, it's like, boom, every week it's like debit, 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 debit. And it goes into, um, you know, a savings type of plan. For right? sure, so, for sure. So that's the only way that I've been able to um, save consistently um, and effectively, uh, and just I, I think that's the way that we should do. It. I mean, think of your four hundred one k, right? Uh, the majority of uh, workers here in America have a four hundred one k, and when they retire, they say, "Man, you know, I, I've made, you know, probably I topped out my salary at seventy thousand dollars, but I've got." Eight hundred thousand in my four hundred one k. How did that happen? <laughs> right? Do you How get that a lot where people just yeah, have no yeah, idea? Yeah, they're they're like, because uh, you know I'm doing an audit of their finances. I said, you know, you got eight hundred thousand. They're like, <laughs> I do. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh my gosh, you know, John, I've only made seventy thousand dollars. You know, one time in my entire career. I said it's because of the auto saving feature. Right, every paycheck, they withdraw and they put it away before you can spend it you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. before before it goes out so i think that is one of the greatest things that that you can do is is to auto save yeah 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 so so now does your wife share in that um enthusiasm for finances like you no um <laughs> actually she is a physician okay and so um and physicians are um 
they're 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 incredibly talented at what they do, um, but they have some blind spots. I think. Sure. Um, and uh, my wife's blind spot, I think, is the the financial aspect of it. And I think it's on purpose. I, I, I really do. I, you know, I just like my, my blind spot is, is in medicine, you know, like yeah. the kids get a cut on their finger. I'm like, Oh, go see mommy. You know, I, she, you know, go see the expert. Ah, you know, I don't know how to put on a bandaid. Right. So, um, yeah. So she, she just outsources that to me. And uh, she says, I like that. Outsource yeah. You know, you're the expert, you handle it. I'll handle the medical issues and, and you know, uh, we play to our strengths. Yeah. How's that? No, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, where did you guys meet? So we met at a church in um, in Champaign in college. Oh no uh, way! So we uh, Champaign, Illinois, yeah, not Champaign yeah, no, the right, drinks. Right, so right, right. For the for not uh, France, right? No, no, not France. <laughs> Champaign, Illinois, University of Illinois. So um, yeah, we met there and uh, we dated and eventually obviously got married the rest is history the right? rest is history right? so now when you went to school did you go um to study for, for what you're doing now i did not no no i did not i was actually a science major okay and um it, it was actually a chemistry major like pre-med or just just chemistry just no it, i wasn't pre-med I, I i was not interested um in the medical field um because I had heard that it was very disruptive to to your sleep. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> I need my sleep, right? So I was like, okay, that's not for me. Um, so uh, I just had a love of, of science, and, and that's what I studied. And then my senior year, and I said, man, I got to get a job, yeah. you know, and I don't want to be um, stuck in a lab. I've had a lot of lab classes, and I didn't really enjoy it. As really? It, yeah, I, I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. Um, there was a lot of waiting. There was a lot of, you know, just, you know, not really active, right? Sure, sure. Um, so I didn't really enjoy that. So I so said, i got to find something different. And so now this is your junior year going into your senior year kind of thing where you decided right, to make a change? Right, right, right. And so the dean at the time, and I wanted to transfer into finance because – you know, I I'd look at my kid, I'd look at my friends' finance books, and I'm like, oh, I'll take a look at it, and, you know, supply, demand, all that stuff, and they go, you understand that? And I go, well, yeah, if there's less of something, it's going to cost more because more people are going to want it, right? And they're like, oh, is that how it works? I'm like, why am I teaching you this? I'm I'm not even a finance guy, and so they go, you should go into finance. I said, yeah, you know, you're right. So I go um, to the dean. I go see the dean. I said, hey, I, I'd like to transfer he says you know you're in your last year um you've got all your classes basically done you can you can actually graduate in one semester oh wow um you know you can graduate in seven semesters i had six done and they go no just just graduate wow we want you we want you out basically wow okay um but you know i studied on my own uh then i you know on the job training, right? Um, got my master's uh, from the American College. Um, got my master's of science in financial services. What was it three years ago? Oh, wow. um, congratulations! So, oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, and that really, really helped in terms of um, you know doing what I do today. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, 
at that time, I guess, what did it do to your to your schooling? How much more did you have to go through, if not in seven semesters? How, how many did you end up doing it in? Oh, I I just, just went an extra to eight. One. Yeah, oh, yeah, I just, I just I went gotcha. eight. So it wasn't too bad. No, no, no. I mean, I almost reversed it. it was like my senior was senior year was like my freshman year, yeah. where I was taking all hundred level classes because I had gotten. I just went, you know, just full speed my freshman year. Sure. Uh, I don't recommend that. <laughs> <laughs> I recommend a lot of free time, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, sleep. <laughs> yeah, I, I recommend just following the the curriculum, right? So what? What I mean, in terms of the industry, I'm sure that since you graduated the first time, you know, with, with your bachelor's, that you've seen. So many changes in the financial world. Uh, yes, yes, that what, is correct. What, what are, I guess, what are some of the challenges that that you've had to overcome during that time that, um, you know, you got out of school and, and trying to find a job or whatever that looked like that, you know, you had to establish yourself. And, and right, did you did you look for a job or did you immediately start your own like, you know, practice? Or what did that look like for you? So, um. Second semester of my senior year rolls around. Um, you know, everyone's looking for jobs, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, I know I didn't want to work at uh, a lab at Eli Lilly or Pfizer where all my friends are going. You know, great companies, but it, it just wasn't for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and just just more bored with it than anything else. Yeah, I, like I said, it, it was a lot of I didn't want to I didn't want to be stuck in a lab. Yeah. Um, but I, I just wanted to be outdoors. Uh, you know, and I and I try to get as much outdoor time time as possible. Um, sometimes I work outdoors, you know, in my, in my office. So but you have that flexibility. I, I do. Um, but you know, I look, I'm looking at ads and there's, there's an ad for a, uh, stockbroker trainee position in Chicago. And I was like, Oh, great. Number one, it's in Chicago. Cause you know, that's where I'm from. All my family's there. Okay. That's, that's a plus. Yeah. Uh, not that I was looking out anywhere else. Sure, right? sure. Um, and so I said, okay, I'll give it a shot. Um, so I call them up, got an interview. They said, Come on in, kid. You know, in September, that was September of '93, and um, basically, it was a you were almost like a telemarketer, right? Mm. So you were you were dialing for dollars. You know, so cold was it like calling. that movie uh, Boiler Room or whatever kind of. You know, it wasn't <laughs> as crass uh, or as. Um, how would I how would I say it? that kind of thievery? Because uh, sure, it sure, really sure. was. No, that but, was I don't know a level. Yeah, no, they, I mean, it's Hollywood, it's a, it's right? It's a movie, right? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a movie, right? So, um, but essentially, you were dialing for dollars. Yeah. And, and you would say, you know, we've, we've got this idea, and, and, and you'd pitch them over the phone. And I would say the first couple of years, I, I didn't even, you know, meet a client face-to-face. Oh, wow. Right, it was all over the phone. Interesting. And, and I, would, I would think, man, I, the, you know, People call you up. They they say send send money over the phone, and they do. Wow. Uh, and the check would come, and you're like, <laughs> "Wow, holy cow! These guys have a lot of trust." You yeah, know, I, I, I can imagine that's that's got to be not an easy thing to do. Yeah, if someone called me and told yeah. me to send a few thousand dollars over the mail, yeah, okay, <laughs> it ain't happening. Right. <laughs> it ain't happening. So, what was your secret sauce that that people were responding? To I, I don't know because it wasn't just me. Yeah, it it yeah, was yeah. just. Uh, it's just the way that business was done. Sure. Uh, there was no internet. 
Um, you know, we all had the Wall Street Journal. And, and, and you know, they didn't even let us open the envelopes anyway. So it, it, all of the mail that came in, it, it. Got, it got intercepted. And we get the blank envelope, right, in our mailbox. It says, it check received, you know. And we're like, okay, cool. You know, it got No way. So that's how it was done, huh? Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, com- think about it. Like, with everything being so automated today and you never see that, that you actually got to see, like, the physical envelope coming through. Yeah, and and you'd have to send it. It was you know T plus three. So you know if we made the trade on on Monday, I needed the check by Thursday. Yeah. So you oh, needed to write the check that day and and pop it in the mail <laughs> to me. And we we prayed to God that it was uh you know the postal service would would be you know not hampered by bad weather yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. it was. So now are are you talking exactly just that like stocks, you know, brokering stocks, New York Stock Exchange type deal? Yes. Uh, so stocks, I mean, we're buying, you know, companies like uh, GE, Coca-Cola, right? Smaller companies, uh, NASDAQ companies, sure. Microsoft and all, you know, Cisco systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and, and Boy, if he bought Cisco back then, yeah, that was oh, goodness gracious, <laughs> right? And and we were, uh, yeah. we were, wow. Um, so yeah, we were buying uh, uh, mutual funds, okay, uh, but it was all active trading, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the world has changed in the investing world, in the sense that a lot of investors now, um, thank goodness, have seen the light and they're going more passive, mm. uh, more ETFs, more uh, index funds index-like funds, mm-hmm. Vanguard, low-cost, no-trading type of thing. Gotcha, so, gotcha. Uh, and that's that's where I would put my money or and my investors' money in more of the low-cost passive. Sure, sure. Did So did all of that change? I mean, I'm a little naive when it comes to that sort, sort of stuff, but you know, did it change at some point where what you could offer your clients, maybe, maybe when you first started, so back in 93, it was really stocks, and that's kind of it, to where I guess where we're at today where there's a, ton of financial products and services that are out there right sure when did that change and and when did you get involved with some of those changes because obviously the way i introduced you in terms of retirement and tax planning those very specific very niche parts of finance right right Uh, so just talking on the investing side of things i think uh the internet changed a lot Mm. right changed things a lot and you know passive funds have been around for a while but I would say that um, probably about 15 years ago, 2005-ish, there was a little bit of traction. And um, uh, 2010, a little bit more traction. And when and you say traction, like things changing or things... So like, if you look mm-hmm. at the, the money invested in active funds versus passive funds. Active see, funds meaning you know your stock picking, market mm-hmm, timing, mm-hmm, track mm-hmm. record investing. And you look at... Um, Index, a uh, passive investing, which is uh, index funds, ETFs, where there's no like trading. Like 500 kind of thing? Exactly, okay. exactly. Um, so, you know, I would say the shift came, I think it's almost 50-50 now. Mm, wow. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, I think it, it's it's maybe hit a, an equilibrium point. Sure. Um, it, I don't see it really... I mean, I wish it would be like ninety ten, you know, passive, but I, I don't see that. I don't see that happening in the near future. Right. But that is the way to go, really, okay. for me. Um, it, that's just my opinion, uh, <laughs> you know. Um, but I, I just don't see any evidence uh, that active management would beat passive. Sure. Now, 
I mean, it seems to me like and I'm very transparent in the fact that uh, this is not my area of expertise. So do you spend most of your time with your clients or, or even, you know, uh, I guess, other people, prospects, whatever that is just educating on what some of these products are on ways to do that? Because most people, I would, I guess I would argue or, or hypothesize is that they don't really know too much about investing in finance. I, I don't know what they know. Uh, yeah. To be honest with you, and I don't know what their um, level of 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 knowledge is, so I really don't want to talk down to a person, sure. and I don't want to slam them with you know uh, industry, uh, you know jargon, l- jargon and lingo. Yeah. Right, exactly. So um, I try to keep it to where um, an eighth grader would understand it. Sure. Um, so when my kids talk to me about you know internet stuff, I'd say. Talk to me like I'm a sixth grader, right? So, so that that that's kind of the the level. But um, I would say that um, you know the thing that we have to, or I, I should say, you know, Men's Warehouse says that an educated customer is our best customer. Very true. It's it's the same thing. Yeah. I I think the more you know about the way things actually work, um, for me and my business, that's very beneficial. Um, when you don't know, when there's doubt, when there's you know a, a, a shroud of a secrecy, um, that that's yeah. that's not good. Uh, that's not good. So the more you know, the more educated you are about this industry, man, that's a great <laughs> client for me. Yeah, that's a great client for me. And so, how do you typically approach those clients, um, or how do you po- approach your clients that makes it different than a lot of the other advisors that are out there? I mean. I, I guess I just come from the perspective of if you really don't know the questions to ask, if you're not, if you don't know or you're unsure and things, you know, what's the best way to go about finding someone that matches with you in terms of, you know, personality values or, or expertise for that matter? Um, I do think personality and values are, are going to be, um, uh, important. Um, you know, when I have my client events, my, my wife says to me, you know, everyone's so nice. <laughs> and I said, you know, honey, it's because I don't accept any jerks as clients. I, I just, I just refuse to do that. That's awesome. Uh, I love hearing that. You, you know, I'm, I'm done with that. I, yeah. I, I don't need that <laughs> yeah. anymore. You yeah. know, before early in my career, you know, take if, whatever. yeah, you take whatever. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, but now, um, you know, I, I, I can choose not to, which is great. Um, but in terms of how do you um, know? Uh, I mean, what was what were you trying to to, to get at in terms? No, of I guess you know what what makes you not not makes you, but like when it comes to hiring a, a professional, I feel like oftentimes people hesitate because they don't know where to begin, right? Okay, and right. so when when working with you, what's your approach to your clients that either makes you different or would want to make someone call you to to get that that help, that advice to invest or to to understand their money and what to do with it. My main way of marketing right now is through, or before COVID, right, mm-hmm. was uh, uh, seminars. Okay. And they would sign up for a seminar, and they would come live in person before COVID. Sure. And uh, we would run a uh, anywhere between a four to a six-hour class. Okay. And it was specifically focused, and, and I had different topics, whether it be Social Security, whether it would be... Um, uh, retirement planning, general retirement planning, whether it be investing, whether it be, you know, uh, insurance, whether it be whatever it was, okay? There were different topics and people would come and and they would learn, like in a classroom, uh, the basics of it. And my 
closing would always say, look, you know, if you want for me to uh, take a look at your financial picture, um, at, at no charge, it was totally complimentary, I will give you 45 minutes to an hour of my time to give you some of my opinions on, on what you can move around. And you can do one of two things. You can go ahead and do it yourself. Or you can hire me at that point to have it done for you. Mm. It, totally your choice. And you don't have to feel bad. You don't have to feel guilty if you don't hire me. I tell them you don't need to hide behind a, um, a, the big jar of pickles at Costco if you ever see me at Costco. So none of that. Um, and they, I would say, you know, about half of them would say, yeah, I, I'd like a, a second professional opinion. Sure. Um, but really, it starts with education first. Yeah. And now I can't reach out live because uh, of the, you know, mm, pandemic. Of yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, of, our, of our situation. So um, I'm pumping out content uh, on my website and putting it up there and giving them PDFs of, you know, like your 401k sure. and things of that nature. So uh, we always start with education. So that that's, that's key. Yeah. Uh, and, and I would say... That that's what you want to look for is, you know, good content. And everyone's content will, I think your values spill over a little bit in, in the writing and in, in the wordsmithing. Of course, and all of, that. Course, so, yeah, of course. So whatever resonates with you, I think, um, I, I, I think that's the avenue you should explore. Great advice. Yeah. Now, one of the things I want to touch on that you, that you mentioned that I love, um, and I think for anyone listening or watching that, you know, they can relate, right? In the beginning of your business your career whatever that looks like that you take what you can right, right? Yeah, and you're yeah. like ah, oh, this person this client like, uh, yeah. but you deal with it because right. you know, this bread on the table kind of yes thing. yes at what point um did that transition for you that you decided you know what i i just don't want to work with jerks or you know whatever it is in your mind that you don't want to work with and you know how did that how did that manifest into your your sales approach i guess so um i remember when I was working for a company, the, the secretary would say, um, John, you've got so-and-so on the line. And the test was, and they want to call back or, you know, they want to talk to you. The test was if I said to myself, oh, okay, cool, great, you know, that was a good client. But if I was like, oh, <laughs> and there was heartburn and yeah. I said, you know, that was the test. And so anybody that I felt like that, I felt that way, you know, they, I didn't deserve them and they didn't deserve me, right? I think it was a mutual thing because I want them to be happy, right? Yeah. I want them to to call their advisor and their advisor's like, yes, this guy is calling. Cool, that's great. Um, it set them free to the universe, right? Just so, so I'm big into to matches, right? Yeah. Everything on paper might be good, but if there isn't a fit, there isn't a fit, right? Yeah. So that that's <laughs> that was really the test. And it wasn't really because I had made it or whatever. I, I just said something clicked in my head and I said, enough is enough. Yeah. I, I can't do this anymore. And, so. and what did you notice beyond just, I mean, I'm sure being happier <laughs> from not having to yeah, do with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what did you notice in terms of your business? Because I think it's also a mindset shift, right? Where, uh, and again, people watching, they can relate. They say, oh, I'm just tired of dealing with these things. Did you notice things just improved because of it? So it wasn't just that one change, but did you notice other aspects of your business benefit from taking that new approach? So it was more enjoyment. Mm -hmm. um, and when you enjoy your job more, I think you're more productive. Um, so I, 
unfortunately, I didn't keep all my you know numbers exactly month by month and sure. my production and all that stuff back at the time. But um, but it, it just it, it just made me you know approach work uh, with with more of a passion with um, uh, more zeal. Um, and obviously, that's good for my existing clients as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So I didn't, I, I never dreaded my job. Um, you know, thankfully, I was very, always very enthusiastic about it. It, it was just the handful, I mean, the small handful yeah, yeah. where, you know, I just didn't in, in, enjoy speaking with them. And, and once they were gone, it was, it was back to, oh, this is great, you know? Game changer, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, that's awesome. So for, for, I mean, I know that, I know that you specialize in, uh, retirement and tax planning, you know, right. but I, ideally, you know, apart from great clients, who is, is are you looking for to work with? You know, who would be the ideal client to work with that that be listening or watching? So, you know, there's a lot of financial uh, advisors out there, right? And you know, they're they're a dime a dozen, mm-hmm. and I think there's really um, two kinds of advisors. And if I draw a graph and, you know, I'm just going to put it put my hand up, you know, if you draw a graph like this and you say birth to death, mm-hmm. right, and you look at your net worth and it goes like this at, at birth, it's zero, right? And then in college, it might dip below zero. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then it starts going up and it goes up and it, and it peaks right around retirement. Mm-hmm. And then when you retire, you know, you you use the assets. So basically, this is when you work for your money. And then that after you retire, your money works for you, right? So accumulation and then withdrawal phase or decumulation. I don't know if that's a real <laughs> world word, but I for just call it, it that. Yeah, okay, thanks. And so um, most of the financial advisors in, in the world, right, uh, they're all about accumulation mm-hmm. or going up the mountain. And, and nothing wrong with that. Um, I just choose to focus on the other side, okay. which is the decumulation, mm-hmm. because I think there's a lot more risk mitigation going on over there, or risk that needs to be mitigated going on over there. It's a lot more complex. So any anybody 10 years uh, before retirement, uh, 10, 15 years, so when you're at 50 years old, let's just say, and you're going to, let's say we're going to say 65 is is the normal retirement age. Nothing's normal these days, right? But um, so that that's where I'm focused is, is to get ready for for spending, because you're accumulating for a reason, and every single one of my clients have said I am saving for retirement. Okay, I said okay, great. So now that you're there, if you're there, I say, you know, what account are you gonna withdraw from? Mm. How much? What year? What's the plan? What exactly? What's the order? Because the order in which you withdraw funds, whether it be from taxable, tax deferred, or tax free accounts, that's going to make a big difference in how long your money lasts. Okay. Okay. And so you know you've got sequence of returns risk on the other side uh, coming down the mountain, I call it. And uh, and so um, these are things that people don't hear about they don't they're not aware about it it's you don't know what you don't know exactly. right <laughs> yeah so um so that's where i focus uh my energies uh my time in in, in the withdrawal phase i think you have to have a plan i i i, I cannot imagine as if i was retiring okay january 1st let's say i'm retiring okay okay where am, where's my money coming from yeah, where's my paycheck one. coming from 
okay, I've got this pot of money in my 401k. I got social security. I got some savings accounts. You know, I've got this and that. How much am I withdrawing from here and here and here and here? What year? Why? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and the whole thing about tax planning is you've got to withdraw the right amount from the right account so that you don't get boosted up and hit some tax trip or there's tri- trip wires tax trip wires yeah. um, and you and you want to stay below that if you can gotcha. so you really want to be tax proactive um, and I think that tax rates will be um, going up in the future uh, when I say future in you know five ten but even beyond that it, I think that with the fiscal condition of our country um, taxes have to go up yeah so. no absolutely well, I mean, great advice. And obviously, you know what you're talking about <laughs> way more than, than I do. But, you know, if you're listening and that um, sounds like you or you're nearing that age or have some of those questions, you know, a- apart from just being a wealth of knowledge, what a great guy John is and funny, too. So <laughs> always great to chat with you. But, All right. you know, John, thank you so much for, for sharing your story. And again, thanks for having me on. Oh, no, it's such a pleasure. Thank and you. look forward uh, to the next time. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you.